Texas talking oh. What was that that you said? Texas talking oh. Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys Hi, I'm Morgan Fairchild, and I am a huge fan of the Texas Tribune. And through that, I have become a friend and fan of Evan Smith, who, for some reason, tweeted me this week and asked me if I would do the intro to this week's podcast. So, welcome to the Tribcast. Thank you. I think Evan Smith is blushing a little bit. I am. Uh, This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for the fourth week of July. I'm joined by CEO and Editor-in-Chief Evan Smith. Now I've got a whole list of people I need to get for the Tribcast. Linda Gray from Dallas, Joan Collins, you know, all those nighttime soap opera people of my childhood. Most of us don't don't know who those people are. Well, except for Eva Longoria. (laughs) Oh, you're so young, blah, blah. (laughs) All right, reporter Alana Rocha. Hello. Hi, Alana. And reporter Julian Aguilar. Hi. Having Alana on this podcast is really going to cause me to behave myself. Why? Why? she's so nice and she's so normal as opposed to the rest of us. <laughs> Are you, I guess you don't spend as much time with Yeah, Alana we share an office yeah. now, so he's seen the no, true me. No, there's the only true Alana is the nice Alana who okay. causes me to be on my best behavior. So All right, well, no cussing. Among things that are not nice or normal, let's talk about where Alana has been this week, which is in uh, Waller County, uh, following the death of a 28-year-old African-American woman named Sandra Bland in police custody. Alana, um, walk us through the latest. I know we got the dash cam video of her arrest this week. There were a bunch of lawmakers out in Waller County for some big uh, press conferences. What is the latest? Yeah, we got the dash cam video uh, yesterday of the stop that led to her arrest and led to her being in the Waller County Jail. And it's it's 51 minutes. Um, almost all of that is her stop. They, they do a brief stop before that. But uh, it's hard to watch, you know, just seeing... The, the circumstances that led to her arrest, uh, a trooper basically was ready to give her a warning for changing lanes for not signaling. And, you know, he asked her what's wrong. She's obviously frustrated for the fact that she was pulled over, um, talks back, if you will, or just shows attitude, which seems to infuriate the officer. And then he has her get out of the car. There's a threat of a taser. It just then it goes off camera, and we don't know exactly what transpires. So, um, you know, DPS has said that he did not follow uh, protocol, and now he's on desk duty. He's not on the road, but um, should be on less than desk duty. I mean, I th- it's just it is stunning to watch because you know when you get pulled over, you're pissed, right? This is not like a wonderful, warm and fuzzy moment. And he is, and you know, she appears to be like basically getting out of his way. And she says to him, "I saw a cop come up." behind me so I was sort of trying to get out of the way mm-hmm. you know and he says well you didn't signal but what really irks him oh is God, that not signaling is a problem yeah I know Jeez. right exactly just put me at death row you've got that. bigger you've got bigger problems than that <laughs> uh, and so you know he, he is infuriated that she won't put out a cigarette she's in her own car she hasn't been arrested she's smoking a cigarette and he that's you know, still not illegal no it's just right. a power trip you know he wants her to obey his orders and when she won't obey his orders you, you hear know, him put the the clipboard down yes. and open the door and yeah he just he tries to you know yank her out of the car so there's but there's not any dispute about right about whether he, he followed procedure or whether he behaved appropriately. There does seem to be general agreement that this was not the way it was supposed to go. Right. No. DPS right. said that he so violated. That's not, that's, that's not in dispute. Right. No, and I just, what stuck with me from yesterday's press conference with, I believe it was Dan Patrick who said it, you know, that these events are related, but they're not connected in right. the sense that one, you know, yes, her arrest led to her being in jail and she died in jail, 
but necessarily, you know, they're not exactly the, the, dash right. the dash cam video is not itself related to her dying. Right. Correct. Only to the extent that had she not been stopped, had she not been in jail, the circumstances would have not resulted in her being found dead in jail. We just don't know what happened. Right. Well, right. I watched that dash cam video and I think if I walked away from that, I'd be like, lawsuit. Right. And instead she walked away from it and ended up dead in jail. Like how th there is a huge disconnect here between, you know, this arrest where she seems, you know, super vocal and super like, you know, gung ho about that she's going to come after him later. And then she ends up dead in a cell like, you know, well, by, she just by had so much hanging so much ahead of her. Even the mm -hmm. D.A. the day before that, I uh, believe on Monday said, you know, there are more questions than answers as far as, you know, she had so much ahead of her. It doesn't make sense that she would choose a three-day jail stint to end her life. Unless, you know, a three-day jail stint, for those of us who have not spent three days in jail, you know, she was isolated and, you know, became sort of increasingly depressed. I mean, it's really hard to speculate on this kind of stuff, but something obviously went terribly wrong between this arrest and... And the fact that she was found hung in her cell, hanging in her cell, right. means a that, it wasn't, trash it, bag. that it wasn't the case that she may have died innocently. Mm -hmm. Had she not died at her own hand, obviously, then it was made to look like she had died. So, uh, at her own hand. So we don't. It, it's clearly either she took her own life or there's some foul play. There's no third explanation. Either. But and foul play is hard to, um, you know, make. It's hard to make that case because they've released the video of like the three hours leading up to her death of just you know outside right. of the cell. Aren't there security cameras in these facilities? Not in the cells. I thought they had said that it's a privacy issue, which I didn't think you had any expectation of what? privacy in a jail. I mean, you, you can see the other argument, right? I mean, it's an invasion of privacy if you have a, a camera whenever you enter the jail cell. But I, my question is I don't know. Rosemary how... Lemberg had a camera on her from start to finish. Well, Chapo did, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Except, except in the one key area. But right. going so back, I mean. Always about Chapo. <laughs> you got to bring yourself into the conversation. Well, I have to say something eventually. But, um, but well, two things. How, how large is the Walla County Jail? I mean, it's not, not, it's not loose Derrick in Dallas County, I drove, right? I mean, no, you, can I you, drove can by you... it this weekend. It's like three rooms. It's okay. So you don't. So there's 95 inmates, I think, in there at the Time? So you don't need a camera necessarily. You can go check on this person every so often if you You'd if think. you're supposed to. Right. Um, well, why would you leave a trash? But that bag was a violation. Right. They yeah. said. Yeah. That they didn't check on her often enough. Well, this right. was something that we talked about in the meeting. It's like, what are they allowed to keep in, in the jail cell? Does it vary from county to county? In Webb County, like I said, people used to hang themselves with telephone cords. It's like, why is that in the jail why cell? Why is there a telephone? Right. In there? right. I mean, <laughs> why is there why is there a plastic bag that's make. you know with with the strength enough to for somebody hang to be somebody, able to hang right. some, yeah. I mean, I think there there have been questions around the videos. You know, there were qu questions because the, the dash cam video released this week appeared to skip in certain points. And so folks were immediately saying, conspiracy theorists, you know, this has been edited. Not just conspiracy theorists, snubbed film directors. And snubbed um, film directors, uh, uh, apparently. Uh, snub, uh, uh, Anna DuVernay, who directed <laughs> Selma last night, right. was, was uh, tweeting about the Saying, fact that... Saying, you know, I'm an editor. I'm, I edit footage yeah. all the time. This thing was obviously... Right. Altered or doctored. Well, the, but this morning, yeah, DPS said that there must have been a glitch in the upload, and that's why it seems to loop in the middle. And so they are working to re-upload the video. But they and said it has not been here's, edited here's at the all. problem with that. Right. They may be telling the truth, yeah, but, but at this point, get it right the first for, no, 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 time. No, no, no. But do, forget it. Yeah. There's absolutely no convincing people who are who are certain that somehow the DPS 
has edited this video. There will be no convincing right. people. Well, so I edit video, and last night I was trying to get it down to 45 minutes so we could post it to Facebook, and then we ended up not doing that. But I cut out a section at, towards the end where the tow truck shows up, and there's nothing happening, no sound heard uh, off screen or otherwise. And I cut it and put a brief dissolve, and you can't even tell that I cut it. Mm -hmm. So that showed me... How easy it could be. How to easy it could be. Of... Not to contribute to the conspiracy theories. I was going to say, but... add a lot to the list. <laughs> no. So, so tell me something. So what, again, this this is really only interesting, and I use interesting advisedly here, because this woman died. Mm -hmm. Had she not died in jail, we would not be scrutinizing. Well, we wouldn't even know We wouldn't this. even know, but we wouldn't be scrutinizing the video. Okay, so fine. Let's assume the video is edited. Mm -hmm. What could be on the portion we've not seen that would shed light on her death. Her death. This is really about the death. It's not about the stuff. Well, unless right. there's a section clipped out where somebody walks in and you know, and but but I just don't think that's the case. Uh, my gut is telling me that this was a suicide. You know, the bigger question to me is how it got to that point and is, why she wasn't being monitored and what kind of care was not being provided. Is there another video? Is there another dash cam? Because he had backup from the local police. Well, see, I, I put in that call this morning to Prairie View Police, and it's a small department. So actually, you call the number non-emergency and Waller County answers. But I'm interested to see because you on the dash cam video off camera, a lot sounds like it happens right. that we don't Did I not read, see. Alana, that the reason that there's no second video from the backup guy is because he attempted to record it, but his hard drive was the memory full. was the full. memory was full mm -hmm. and that's why nothing recorded terrific right <laughs> so you have the bystander happen. video which said shed some light on what that scene looked like but yeah official video no yeah, and the so, bystander was getting told to so turn why, off the camera tell me again yeah. emily why your instinct tells you that this was a suicide because i believe that the video there's only one entrance into and out of that cell uh, you know, I believe that the camera was on the door of that cell for those, you know, hours and hours leading up to when they come in and find her. Um, I, you know, also I generally. So, so you're saying that there, I, I'm, I'm probably not yeah. as up on this as you are. There's video. So there's of the video doorway. of the doorway to the cell. You can watch it. It's three yeah. hours long. But how do you know it wasn't edited? Well, well, see, the thing is, it's motion detected. So if there's no motion detected for 15 seconds, it stops recording. And then 90 minutes before they found her. There's no recording because the theory is that there was no motion. Look, I, I don't know. None of us knows what happened. You know, I've n watched enough nighttime right. episodic right, We just television, have an autopsy that says this. Right. Is... Enough episodic television to know that, you know, the kind of outbound most conspiracy theory is that somehow the stop and what happened in the aftermath of the stop was quite a da damning to the law enforcement mm -hmm. and that this woman died not of her own hand, but it was made to look like a suicide to distract from. I mean, look, there the, pro the problem is we've all incidents. watched too much television, right. we've all seen too many movies, and we've all thought too many conspiracies. We don't know what the hell happened here. Well, and this, oh, we just and, don't know. And this mm -hmm. comes three years after another inmate in that jail, 29 year old white man, uh, hung himself with a, a sheet. Now, the assumption here is that race is a factor in all this. That had this been a, a 28 year old white woman, mm -hmm. Um, she would have gotten off with the warning? Somehow she wouldn't have been stopped. Somehow she wouldn't have gotten, you know, I don't want to undermine that thinking because all over the papers and all over the country right. is evidence of, right. uh, of, of different treatment of people of different races in cases like this. But I don't know any more that that would be the case than not. I, I just don't know. I don't think any of us knows. And, and Alana, you and I were talking about where this. Where you yesterday. stand is where you sit on this thing. 
wasn't one with of the, regard to the unknowns. One of the backup officers was an African American female mm -hmm. police officer, right? I mean, right. Is, is that going to play into? And she, you could hear her on tapes, you know, kind of scolding. Right. Um, she defends the the trooper saying and saying, "You were out of line. You, you know, need you to need calm, calm down." down you yeah. Know, things like that. But so. she wasn't there for the beginning. Right. That's yeah. She she wasn't know, the ringleader. You, you're called <laughs> as backup as police, and you basically trust the cop who's been there from the beginning. What did you think of the assemblage of people at the press conference? So you had. Royce West, you had Sylvester Turner, you had Helen G Helen Giddings. Yeah, I thought Patrick. I saw uh, Alma. I see Alma, Alma Allen, Allen was there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Steve Ron McCraw, Reynolds was there. Steve obviously. McCraw was there. You had yeah. a lot of people. You had from John Sharp, the chancellor. Okay. Yeah. Because it took place on the A and M on or a Prairie View A and M campus, right. and Just because she had been an alumnus. Right. right. And was set to start work there. And you had George there. Wright, uh, the president of Prairie View. You had esteemed former Tribune staffer Reeve Hamilton, stage left. Was he there? Oh, yes. Wow. I oh, really? Read. I didn't see that. <laughs> I can't quarrel with the former Tribune staffer. I can't quarrel with the esteemed. Uh, but, but, but the point is, here you had this assemblage of people who didn't necessarily have, they were not the, rep, the, the, the state representative and state senator from that area. Mm. Not the, Those people were kind of in because of other reasons, right? They right. were not there yeah. because they happened to be the local right. officials. I mean, I actually thought it was, was quite a show of force and solidarity and also you know these cases have gotten so quickly out of hand and violent in other cities that I think it you know everybody's taking these things really Roy, seriously. Royce West said specifically we want to show that here in Texas at least transparency is the right. deal is not we're not going to hide anything we're going to. And everybody has jumped on you know to their credit the FBI jumped in really mm -hmm. quick you know DPS and, Waller, and the, the Rangers have all said like you know we're an open book here um, everybody has said we will be as transparent as we possibly can be to get to the bottom of this. so They're mindful of Ferguson, and on Sunday in the memorial service that they had at Hope AME Church, right in front of where she got stopped, um, you know, at the beginning, each each pastor or reverend was only supposed to get two minutes. A lot of them went longer than that, but they said no political statements. This is about Sandra, and we're just here to honor her. But as the day went on, they got more political, and you heard some white and African-American reverends talk about just the history of that county and racial profiling mm -hmm being an issue there. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a bunch of other issues I want to hit today. Um, let's uh, head south uh, to Mexico to talk about another uh, very fascinating prison case that Julian's been waiting to tell us about involving Chapo. So what the heck happened here? Does anyone know yet? Well, apparently he um, was pacing back and forth for about 30, 45 seconds and just decided to slip out of his jail cell through a mile long tunnel that um, ended <laughs> on the other side at a construction site. It's. It was just like. Wasn't pretty, this the plot of, uh, of the good, last episode of Weeds like or the last season of Weeds? Well, I thought going, going back to the conspiracy theorists. I mean, everybody is saying, look, that that is just a decoy. He walked out of the front door. I mean, there a lot of more people are paying attention to the tunnel and the fact that you can't build a mile-long tunnel without people knowing about it. Many Whether people the, I mean, know about so it. So and the state lawmakers, there, a handful have sort of chimed in saying, if he was extradited, this wouldn't happen. I mean, you know. Texas state lawmakers. Yeah. yeah. Chairman McCall, a representative Republican from Austin, the chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, I mean, he pretty much called it the day after his arrest in February last year. He said, that there's no way this guy's getting He is, said, if, is if you guys don't, pretty, I mean, he answered pretty much saying, you know, if, if you guys don't send him our way, he's going to walk out again. And 15 months later, lo and behold, Filemon Vela, who's been beating the drum that the State Department needs to be more involved in Mexico, he said the same thing. He said, this is a disgrace to U.S. law enforcement. And uh, even uh, former Ambassador Tony Garza, they said, we need to stop being so nice to Mexico. We need to be a little bit more aggressive and say, hey, you know, 
they're going to get put your him house on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't come back. Right. I mean, so be careful. what does this mean for the Mexican president who basically said, like, we got this? It, it means that, I mean, there's forever going to be an asterisk by, you know, whatever you want to, however you want to describe his six-year term in Mexico. He's, he's about halfway through it. And this is this is just horrible for him. And the mm. fact that he stayed in France and he didn't turn around and come immediately back, he sent his interior minister. What was he doing? He was on Have you been to France? It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty nice. France or I lost Chapo Guzman. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I just it's you know all this all this buildup about the the PRI going back to power after you know taking a 12 year break after ruling for 71 years and the corruption and you know it's just it's so it's so bad for Mexico. You can't you can't really say anything good about how they can spin this unless they catch him tomorrow, which is not going to happen. And if they, I mean, is the U.S. going to play any role then in trying to catch him I, this time around? They, and be well, like, only only when President him, Trump we, yeah, finders right. is in the White House. Yeah, right. That's why he'll be in the right I mean, they, yeah. the U.S. is always involved, you know, to what level nobody is really sure, but they have agents there. They have, you know, they have undercover officers. They have FBI. They have CIA. They have people at the embassy that are working. When they caught Miguel Trevino Morales, who was the head of the Setas, they said that the U- it, without U.S. help, that wouldn't have been possible. You know, there were rumors about U.S. drones tracking them. So I think if Mexico is smart and sheds a little bit of their, hey, we're a sovereign nation, and they let the U.S. be more involved, then this could be an easier fix. But even with that, I mean, this guy's has so much money. He's so protected. There's so many networks in Mexico. Also, that was a pretty awesome tunnel. It was pretty, it was yeah. pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I know. Acno- let's acknowledge yeah. right. props to Chapo. I mean, that I mean, was I, a pretty, that was an awesome. It's like he watched the Goonies and said, build me one of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as far as escape routes are concerned, like the Mexican drug czars really got it going on. Right. Well, seriously, compared to those 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 uh, jabones <laughs> in upstate New York, right. you know, right. I mean, Seriously. you know, this this wasn't some cabin with you know you're no. smuggling out uh, uh, keys and well, this frozen is like way meat. more advanced than Al Qaeda and like you know right. I mean these guys really do it up. So now they don't, they don't screw around. Right. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, what's going to happen now? A lot of um, well, some law enforcement officials on the border say things could get bad again in, in Ciudad Juarez in the Valley of Juarez, which is about 30 miles east of, of Juarez proper, just across mm-hmm. um, from El Paso County. Fabens in Hudspeth County, or excuse me, Hudspeth County in El Paso County. It's it's going to get bad again. I mean, there are going to be people. There's going to be a lot more people that are going to die. Some people say, and so that's that's one thing. I mean, everybody's talking about how could this happen? Such a cool tunnel, and you know, what does this mean for prohibition Such and things cool like that? Cool but I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that people are going to continue right. to die in Mexico, and they're going to continue to keep coming north. This is going to turn into another political way football. to bring the room down, yeah, Nacho. All right. Sorry. Well, on that happy note, let's talk about Donald Trump. Oh, thank you, right. Jesus. Uh, Donald, thank you, God. Donald Trump has an important for delivering trip Donald Trump. A, <laughs> yes. I, I I texted Senator Zaffarini this morning to ask if Trump was staying at her place. He is because uh, he will be going to Laredo as we sit here Wednesday. Donald Trump is uh, either en route or soon to be en route to a visit headed to, to the border. The in his press release, he said border. he said he was headed to the quote actual border, capital B, as, as opposed to the El Paso <laughs> Juarez border, which we know. It's just a movie set. Yes, right. It's fake. Uh, it's like it's like one of those facades in Blazing Saddles. So if you just push it, it falls over. <laughs> so what is he up to? And on the heels of what delightful comments? Well, does I guess this he's come? he's looking for rapists. I guess what's he going to Laredo for? Uh, to he, to survey what wall they're going to build that Mexico's going to pay for, right? I guess because he's tired of getting called out for not really knowing, so he's going to go show. He, and it seems like every speech that he gives when he when he gives out a rival's cell phone number or whatever. He's calling out a war hero. I, mean, just, this is amazing. I, had, I had to look always, up the word doxing yesterday. It's, it's Appar- always apparently, I'm the last one to know what doxing means. It's always described as a, as a rambling speech, right? 
So I can't imagine that we're going to see anything different tomorrow. Well, John Kasich like, wasn't exactly Henry Clay yesterday in the rambling speech department, but let's acknowledge Donald Trump has the market right. cornered on the most rambling because sure. he likes everything to be the biggest and the best and the most luxurious. Well, and amid all this rambling, he's said some things that have ruffled a lot of feathers, despite the fact that he just has <laughs> zoomed to the top of the polls, or maybe because. <clears throat> yeah. he, he, he is giving um, voice to the Republican or maybe even more specifically the conservative id, right? This is the red meat, red meatiest portion of the yeah. red meat portion of, of the of the rhetoric coming from that end of the party, never mind the fact that there are any number of instances. BuzzFeed published yesterday a story at the end of the day of some number, 25 instances of Donald Trump completely 180-degree flip-flopping on major and minor issues including his own view of Rick Perry. Rick Perry's own campaign yesterday uh, reposted seven or six or five tweets in which Donald Trump was lavishing praise on Rick Perry as recently as 2011. Oh, yeah. um, he's, a, he's a Clinton donor. You know, there are he, photos I'm for of universal him. health care. I'm pro-choice. Yeah, exactly. Right. right? All, all these things. Look, Donald Trump coming down to the border, I'm going to use a word that even by the standards of the Tribune podcast we don't this is going to be the clusterfuck to end all clusterfucks this can't wait because here's the thing the media crush for, for this visit the sort of circus environment that's going to be ginned up on all sides is going to be extraordinary and the reality is that the donald trump view of latinos and of mexico and of immigration is really out of sync with the elements of the republican party in texas including most especially the governor, who want to make the Latino electorate in play politically. Right, build them up here. You know, Greg Abbott got 44% of the Latino vote in the last election. He outright won Latino men against Wendy Davis. Um, th this is a party that has had its challenges in Texas with the rhetoric used by some people running for office as it relates to immigration, sanctuary cities, you know, dangers coming across the border. The last thing that the party wants is for the person who is now most associated with the kind of inflammatory rhetoric that pushes Latinos away from the Republican Party to show up here and to suddenly draw attention to, to all of that. But that's exactly what's going to happen. There, there is, it should be noted, though, on the border, the vast majority of people are, are completely offended at what he's been saying and they're completely disgusted. But there is a very, very small group on the border, Hispanic and non-Hispanic, that are thinking, finally, somebody said it. Other than Ruben Villarreal, who you're talking about? I mean, you know, Republic, Hispanic Republicans that are on the border. I mean, you see Facebook Who are the comments guys taking saying, him yeah, but around. there are not, I mean, but there are not an enormous. I mean, it's not, an, it's not a lot. It's not a, right. There are not, not an enough. enormous right. number of people on the border who are in the Trump camp right. on this issue. But How is can there? You, go ahead. No, is there a faction of the party though that supports his comments about John McCain and questioning his, no. you know, prisoner oh, of war? No. Right. I mean, that's oh, what I mean. No. Like, how yeah. can you keep saying the kinds of things he's saying and keep rising in the polls? Because the secret to Donald Trump's rise to celebrity has been he does not give a shit what anybody thinks. Well, and you have that he much says money, what you don't have he to. says what he says. So and he says what he thinks. And so he what, says he what he thinks is that John McCain or what he thinks is at the moment. not a hero because right. he got captured. He thinks that you know, right, that undocumented immigrants are rapists. He thinks that. It's appropriate to give out one of your, you know, presidential colleagues' phone numbers and, and, on know, national and, and TV. And we actually, to make to take this from the sublime and ridiculous to the serious for a second, we actually had on the site this week a really good story by um, by Patrick Svitek, who I think doesn't work hard enough and doesn't publish enough stories. <laughs> Slacker. Slacker. I mean, I tell you what, son of a bitch. Uh, 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 Svitek had a story this week that talked about how the schism between Rick Perry and Ted Cruz has really been 
brought into focus over Trump because Rick Perry was acknowledged the earliest and most vociferous critic of Donald Trump, pre-John McCain comments. Oh, yeah. Back when nobody was criticizing Donald Trump, Rick Perry was criticizing Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ted Cruz has been the least Trump critical among the Republican candidates. He said, said, I like the guy. Let him say what he wants to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And whether that's because he actually supports what Trump is saying or because he believes that when Trump inevitably collapses as a candidate, the Trump end of the party is going to... Uh, uh, become his uh, 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 will add to his support. The fact is that there is a, a, a relevant conversation politically in Texas about Trump that has nothing to do with immigration, but has everything to do with how the Texans in the race are are embracing or repelling him. Uh, and I, I I love I love Trump as a as a narrative through line on this presidential race. I mean, who if you're in a journalism business, this guy is Christmas, yeah, the Olympics, delicious. the Super Bowl, and my bar mitzvah all rolled yeah. into one. But, but Governor Perry is also, I mean, he's not, I think he also kind of went the other way because he was the first candidate to push for sanctuary cities on a national level, which offends a lot of people. Right. So he's not saying- But by Trump- the standards of the party now, by the standards of the Trump wing, and by the standards in a broader sense of the Republican Party right now, Rick Perry is at risk of looking like the Nelson Rockefeller in this race, which nobody who knew Rick Perry for years and years could have ever imagined that Rick Perry would seem to be in the leftward camp. Now, the Perry people will, of course, Mm. reject this out of hand. But Perry's reasonableness on a lot of things, the fact, for instance, that he has yet to overturn his uh, position on uh, uh, in-state tuition for undocumented students – you know, there are a lot of areas in which Rick Perry has, has been the voice of reason or attempted to be as he's thought through this. The voice of reason. It's kind of an amazing turn of it. Yeah, has but it- I still don't think that going after Donald Trump is the same as being the sort of left-leaning voice of reason. L- listen, it did not take an attack on a white uh, a politician to get Rick Perry to speak up against Donald Trump, you know, back when nobody else was talking about oh, Donald he Trump. He said outlandish things. But, wait, I mean, but, but my question, I guess, is this. Why, when Donald Trump talked about Mexicans as rapists and made the initial right. comments about immigration, where were all the Republicans who were not quick to jump on him for attacking John McCain? They were nowhere to be found. The only person at that point who was back attacking uh, 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 Trump was Perry. <laughs> that may prove to be politically useful to Perry in it the hasn't end or so not, far. But, it, but let's acknowledge that Perry oh, sure, did it when absolutely, nobody else But I don't think that it has anything to do with being left. And I that's, mean, it was low-hanging fruit for the governor. I mean, he could yeah. say, I'm from Texas. I'm on the, from the border state. I did this for border security. This guy yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about. He also was at 2% in the polls and needed to take a gamble. Did you see what uh, Trump said the other day about Perry? He said, about uh, his glasses. Rick Perry was a failure on immigration. Greg Abbott has been much better. Mm. Greg Abbott's been in office for like 10 minutes. <laughs> what, what exactly is happening on the border and that would give Donald Trump back. reason to acknowledge. And and like like Governor Perry, if Governor Abbott really wanted to push for some of these you know state based immigration bills, he could have done so in the in the legislative session that just capped. Well, I also think it's been interesting that you know Rick Perry and Ted Cruz have been sort of like eye rolling at each other over this Trump stuff. You know, Cruz met with Trump at Trump Tower, and you know Perry basically said, "Well, boy, I guess we all get to choose who we want to hang out with." You know, I mean, there there there's well, been... and Perry is at risk. To your point, Perry is at risk of not making the debate on August sixth and. Well, he and Ohio, Cruz are right? both well, they're right there. Percent. I mean, again, right. it's Cruz being nice to Trump and Perry going after Trump have not done anything for either of their poll numbers. Trump is still way ahead, and they're both stuck at four percent. We're a long way away from the first votes, so I mean, obviously the the field will shift. But how much is there a real concern? You've heard this a lot, as far as you know, Trump not being the eventual nominee and running as an independent, and what that could mean for the race. You know, there, lots there's, of old there, drama. There, there's, there's been. Yeah. I saw one poll that showed that if Trump 
didn't get the Republican nomination but ran as an independent, Hillary Clinton would be at 46, Jeb Bush would be at 30, and Donald Trump would be at 20. Now, no poll taken this far out matters. But it's indicative of at least the conversation that is going on around, well, what happens if this guy who clearly has no controls on himself, he has no self-control and there's nobody else who can control him, if he decides, just driven entirely by ego, that he wants to be the a, a candidate in the fall, he could be an independent candidate. He could. Mm-hmm. Who's going to talk him out of it? Right. Well, he doesn't need the money. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, he doesn't need a reason. He... Well, let's um, hit one more quick issue here before we wrap up, and that is uh, a letter that the Legislative Budget Board has sent to the Comptroller's office this week. Uh, that letter largely suggests, in no uncertain terms, that the vetoes to the budget that Abbott made, some About of them— About $200 million worth of line-item right, item vetoes. Right, line-item vetoes, particularly of budget riders. <laughs> this letter the LBB sent basically says, look, Abbott, you weren't authorized to do that, and also we're going to use some of your previous attorney general opinions in this letter as you know def- a defense for why we're saying this. Um, important to note, Evan, who's on the LBB? Well, the co-chairs of the LBB are Dan Patrick and Joe Strauss. This is not, you know, the the you know Russian Central Committee. You know, these are not mm-hmm. communists who run the LBB. Although there has been a tendency over the years, from a state leadership standpoint, that when the LBB disagrees with what the state leadership does, then you hear about how the LBB is political. Oh, L- or today, Abbott's office, or yesterday, Abbott's office called them quote unelected bureaucrats, which is funny coming from the press shop of Abbott's office, which is quote. Unelected bureaucrats. And as we sit here now, there's a, there's ink drying on a letter that Dan Patrick has put out backing Greg Abbott against the LBB, even though that Patrick is the co-chair of the LBB. This is a fascinating saying. I disagreed with Ursula. What is her, Ursula, Ursula Parks? Parks? Yeah, I disagreed with her. But I so, keep wanting to call her Ursula Andress. Do you remember Ursula Andress? She was an actress who was a villain in one of the James Bond movies. Alana was not born at the time. I oh, which, which James Bond there? I know. I think she was in Doctor No. Right. Is that Roger Moore? Well, so, uh, well, who's so, be, so who's Dr. No in this case? Yeah. Well, Dan Patrick. Right. Doctor, he's saying Dr. No to, to Ursula Parks. Uh, so he's saying basically, I told Ursula Parks I didn't agree with this. I thought it was a mistake for the LBB. So to why write didn't this he make letter. a preemptive strike? Why did he wait until the day after this you know letter comes out? Don't know. It just it seems really strange to me. The timing feels to me like you know. Ross has a great column today on our site. Ross Ramsey does that talks about how this is really a fight over who gets to run things. Mm-hmm. This is about the legislature Power versus struggle. the governor's office. This right. has been an ever thus narrative. It'll be an ever thus narrative. There's a fight over who gets to actually be the one to decide. But I think this is not it. It's not inconsequential that the LBB did this. What is the procedure? It may though? not mean anything in the end. Yeah. What if, happens if Patrick didn't have to sign off on this letter being sent as a co-chair? Right. They can just work? like roguely. I mean, so I guess the big question that we I haven't looked on our site in the last 29 minutes. But the big question is, so is are we to believe that Strauss was, you know, singularly behind this? Would they have sent this letter if both Strauss and Patrick disagreed? I absolutely would love to know where Joe Strauss comes down on this. His, his silence has been deafening. Uh, interesting. If not deafening. Paging Jason Embry. You can call us and let us know. (laughs) You know he's listening. (laughs) All right. Well, if you have any uh, letters you'd like to send us complaining about anything that Evan has done, um, we would like to take them at tribcast at texastribune.org. You can also now sign up for Tribcast Alerts at texastribune.org slash tribcast. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. Say something nice about the Tribune Festival. Oh, uh, We'd love to invite you to the fifth annual <laughs> Texas Tribune Festival. It's October 16th through 18th on the UT Austin campus. You only have to listen to Evan moderate nine or ten different F- panels. Fifteen. Fifteen. Wow. Uh, all it right. Will, it will be fun, though. 
Did I already thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Texas talking. Texas talking. Alana's on the podcast, that means we have to be nice.